Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Deuteronomy chapter 20, and we are going to begin at verse 1 and read four verses from here and talk some more about confessing God's Word, fighting the good fight of faith, and you can title it whatever you want to title it. When it all comes out in the wash, we're talking about faith. Amen? Amen? Faith in God. Because you are believers, you are not doubters. You realize that means that you cannot be defeated? You realize that means that you are more than a conqueror? You realize what that means? When you walk with God, you walk with the victorious one, the overcoming one, the one who has successfully overcome death, hell, and the grave. That's who you're walking with. The one who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. The one who set the boundaries of the earth and they'll remain forever. Who laid the foundations of the sea and the waters shall not pass over. I'll tell you what, we serve a great God. A mighty God, a glorious God, an omniscient God, an omnipotent God, all-powerful God, all-knowing God. We serve the God, the living God. And you know what? He challenges us tonight. Dare step out in faith and believe that He will act on your behalf. That's what faith is all about. Believing my God will act on my behalf. He will move mountains if need be to get to me. I believe that. Do you believe that? See, sometimes people war with low self-esteem. Well, yeah, He'll do that for you, but He won't do that for me. Oh, yes, He will. And when we get done with it tonight, you'll find out even more how He will do it for you. You're special to Him. You're somebody important to Him. You're not an afterthought. You're a legitimate child of God. Amen. And God, your Father, wants to move on your behalf. He wants to make Himself known to you. He wants to make His ways known to you. He wants to reveal the, the treasures of His heart to you. He wants to display His power for you. He wants to walk with you on this earth in your journey. You're not alone. He has come to give you rest. He has come to give you peace. He says, My joy I give unto you that your joy may be full. We should be the most joyful people upon the planet. Amen? Full of joy, unspeakable, full of glory, because we're full of God. We've got God on the inside, wanting to get on the outside of us to make us look even better than we do. Amen? You look good tonight, but God can look better through you. Amen? And He'll make you look better. You'll glow with the countenance of the glory of God. So we have an enemy. What of it? He's been defeated. Can you say amen? amen. Or are you a doubter? No. He's been defeated. Yes. He's under our feet. Amen. We're more than conquerors through Him that loves us. Amen. We've read the book. Right. We are the winners. Yes. Jesus has given us the victory. Let's get to Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1. When thou goest out to battle. That's like every morning. On the highway. Driving down the road. When thou goest out to battle. <laughs> Did you ever see some ladies put on their shopping gear? Ready to go at it at the mall. <laughs> Helmet on. Clothes. <laughs> You know, I never used to believe that until I actually just sat back one time and just observed. I thought, certainly people don't do this, but they do. You know, they actually take clothes out of the other lady's hand, rip them out just like that, and say, I saw that first. <laughs> That's an afterthought. They're prepared for battle when they go out. I found that to be true. Well, when you go out to battle, God is saying He wants us to be prepared. Listen, when thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses and chariots, 
and people more than thou. Be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be when you are come nigh unto the battle that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day in the battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not. Do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. Well, why not? For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Did you get that verse? For the Lord your God, Jehovah, is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. This is God's instruction to them for battle. They're ready to enter into active battle. This is a literal war. Horses, and we're talking about men that far outnumber the army of Israel. And they should be shaking in their boots. They should be sore afraid because they are so far outnumbered that logically speaking, they should be wiped off the face of the earth. But God said to the priest, urge them not to be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't fear your enemy. Because you see, Jehovah is going with you. I wonder how many of us realize every single day when we set out to battle that Jehovah God is really going with us. See, sometimes people fail to realize that. And they think they're doing it alone. I've got to solve this problem. I've got to face this enemy. I've got to do something with this adversary. I'm confronted with this disease, this sickness, or whatever the case may be. And they forget to really, really, really recognize and realize that they are not alone. You're not doing it by yourself. You have got the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, not just with you, in you also, and for you, on your side. That's what He wants His people to remember. And He is going with you to fight for you against your enemy. I like that. Against your sickness. Against your disease. Against the voices of evil men. Against the persecution. Whatever it may be. God is saying, I am going with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you or to deliver you or to free you from that bondage. So don't be afraid. As a matter of fact, here's what he says. Look at verse... Three once again. The priest is to stand before the army of Israel and say, Let not, your middle of the verse, let not your hearts faint. Beloved, whatever it is that we are going to face in this life, a sickness or a disease or a circumstance or a situation, adversity, whatever, no matter how big it looks, it may look like it's a giant. In our sight. But God is saying, don't faint. Don't cave in on the inside. Don't lose heart. Don't allow the least bit of concern to enter in. Don't faint. Don't weary in this. You see the instruction that He gives us? We're so few in number. They're so large. I mean, look at this problem. He is saying, don't be afraid. Don't faint. Don't fear. Don't allow fear to enter into your heart. On what basis? What foundation do I have for that, Lord? Remember, he says, I'm going with you. I'm fighting with you against your enemy to deliver you. God has the end result in mind. Can you see that? 
He's not saying you can do it. He's not saying you will succeed. He's saying, I'm going with you. Get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes off your weakness. Get your eyes off your inabilities. Get your eyes off your shortcomings and know that I, your God, am going with you to face your enemy for you. I will fight for you against your enemy and I will deliver you. There will be an end result. Deliverance is yours. So he tells them, don't faint, don't fear. What about this? Neither tremble. In other words, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed like some strange thing happened to you. You live in the same world that everybody else does. We all face the same circumstances and situations. And we know they're all difficult. We face the same sicknesses and diseases. All the needs that we have basically are the same. Because we're human beings living in a fallen state in a world that's under a curse. But he said, don't be alarmed. Don't faint. Don't fear. Don't tremble. Don't be alarmed. And you know, there's a temptation to do that. I mean, when you stare face to face with seemingly insurmountable situations, there's an opportunity to let the human side of us just take over. Faint. Fear. Tremble. In some cases, he goes on to say the last one is, don't be terrified because of them. Don't be terrified because of it. In other words, don't give it a place within you that's bigger than your God. Don't be terrified. Don't tremble. Don't fear. Don't faint. He is speaking to them inwardly, isn't He? See, He's not talking about their brute strength. He's talking about what's on the inside of them. And beloved, this life of faith is all about what's on the inside of us. That's what it's all about. Don't be terrified. Because the Lord your God is He that goeth with you. I want you to take a moment right now to think about that. You're not going at it alone. Your God is with you. You are in this thing together. Whatever it is you are facing, you are not alone. You're hooked up together with Him. He made a commitment to you. He's not about to let go and not do His part. Can you see that? God wants us to be conscious of His presence. Consciously aware of the fact that it's not our strength. It's not our ability that gets the job done, but His. That is what faith is all about. I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 7, if you would, please, because in these verses of Scripture, we are told why God will do these things and also how we can have faith to believe that He will. He doesn't just say things without giving them a foundation for their faith. He doesn't tell them to believe without, first of all, giving them a basis to believe. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord, well, let's stop right there. The people that he was representing were special. Above all other nations. And he made that very clear to them. You know, are we saying that God was not wanting to save the whole world? No, that's not true. But that through this mighty nation, God was going to make his ways known to the others. He was going to reveal himself to the other peoples of the world. But he needed to work through this nation. And he loved them. He loved them dearly. They were a holy, set-apart people above all the other nations of the world. Now listen. 
There are special people unto Himself. And in verse 7, The Lord did not set His love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. See, these unregenerate people were instructed of the Lord to believe with all their heart and trust with all their heart that God would represent them and that God would fight for them. They didn't have the knowledge of being led by the Spirit, of having the witness of the Spirit. They had to take Him at His word and they had to go forth into battle with thoughts in their mind, words that He spoke, things that He said. They had to remind themselves and be reminded constantly of the fact that we are a special people. We are a holy people under the Lord God, a chosen people. And God indeed will defend us. And God indeed will go with us. Remember what He said way back when? We are above all the other nations of the world. So come on, Joe. Come on, Jack. Come on, Mary. Come on, Martha. Remember what God said about us? We are special we're not going at it alone. He will fight for us, defend us, and He will deliver us from the hand of our enemies. And He didn't do it because they were the most powerful or the most resourceful nation. No. It had nothing to do with their abilities or resources. Simply because He loved them. Listen. But because, verse 8, the Lord loved you, number one, and number two, because He would keep the oath which He had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. It's because He loved them and because He swore by an oath to their fathers that He would defend them, provide for them, and care for them. I want you to notice those two important points. Because to have great faith, beloved, we must understand both. To be successful in standing against our enemies in this life, we have got to have a revelation of both. We've been talking about the one God swore by an oath. He made a covenant with Abraham, a covenant that was sealed by blood. As a result of that covenant, God placed Himself in a position to be to these people all that He said He would be to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob according to what was spoken, according to the terms of the covenant. And on the strength of that covenant, they could find great faith. On the strength of that covenant, they could find help from God. But it's not just understanding the blood was shed, the covenant was made. I believe understanding God's love for them takes it into a place of reality. He lifts their sights, their spiritual insights. And He tells them, I love you. I really care about you. I'm concerned about every facet of your life. You are dear to me. I made this covenant to show forth my love for humanity. I've been longing to demonstrate that love. I've been desiring to demonstrate that love. But... It's been bridled up until this point. I'm not capable of fully demonstrating or displaying my love at this point. But oh, I'm going to. God is saying, I love you and that's enough for you to have faith. You know what, Saint? Do you know what a covenant of marriage is based on? Two people vowing their lives to each other because they love each other. And that's what this is all about. That's what faith is all about. God has vowed. God has loved. 
Those are two important things to understand if you want to have a strong faith life. God loves you. God loves His people. And He tells them, this is why you can know that I will go with you to defend you. You love your child so much that if you saw someone trying to hurt her or him in any possible way, you would rescue your child out of that peril, wouldn't you? See, love causes you to act on their behalf. So you see something, beloved? We have got to flood our minds and our hearts with the idea that God loves us. Not only has He entered into a covenant relationship with us, but also He loves us. That makes it so personal. That makes it so real. We understand loving each other. We understand loving our children. Nothing would hold us back. If we could rescue them at any point from some disastrous situation, you know you would. I know I would. Love would move you to do so. And I would believe in most cases, I won't say all cases, but in most cases, a father would lay down his life for his child. Take mine and spare his or hers and a mother too. How many times have you said when your child was growing up and maybe fell down and got hurt or something happened, had to get a shot or something like that, you said, I'd rather take it for the child. Give it to me. I'll tell you what, the last time uh, Carly got her little shot, oh, I wanted to give the nurse a shot in love. I mean, she harpooned her. Hollered at Krista because Krista wanted to comfort her. It was a, a double header, you know. Two... For the price of one, I guess. Got her right in that thigh and just jammed that thing right into her little thigh. This is the second one. She was already crying after the first one. And then she's a little older now. She knows what's about to come. And she's looking at you like, why are you letting this happen to me? Don't you love me anymore? (laughs) I mean, my heart on the inside was absolutely breaking for her. Krista's holding her in her arms and she's just about beside herself because she knows what's about to come. You know, and your heart's just breaking because you don't want your child to suffer that kind of pain, right? And what is it? It's love for your child that doesn't want to see your child suffer. God loves us far above and beyond our love for our own. Do you realize that? Do we really realize that? We need to. And we'll see it here. He just told them, I am going to fight for you because I love you and I have vowed to you and your fathers to care for you. I'll tell you what, you talk about a basis for faith and a foundation. Look at verse 9. Know therefore. Something that God wants His children to know. Know therefore. Know it. Know therefore. What? That the Lord thy God, He is God. Need He say anything more? He is God. Something to know. Something to enter into the knowledge of. A full depth or perception of the fact that the God you serve is God. That means He's God that made heaven. God that made earth. The Al Shaddai of the universe. He is the God of plenty. The God who is more than enough. The creative one. The design of all the world. And who knows everything that He's brought forth into manifestation in, in reality. He's God. We are hooked up with Almighty God. Know that He is God. The faithful God. The faithful God. Will someone let you down? Will a human being let you down? Will another let you down? Human beings don't really need to be that loyal. At least they don't find themselves in a position where they have to be that loyal. It's a hard thing to find someone who will be faithful to you unto the end. Isn't that right? That's why it's hard or difficult to share the least bit of information with somebody because you don't know how far that information will go. But I want you to know that God, 
that God, who knows many secret things, can be trusted with your life. Because He is the faithful God. Did you get that? The faithful God. Know therefore that God, your God, He is God, and He is the faithful God, listen, which keepeth covenant and mercy. Not just covenant. Covenant and mercy. God told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob He would do certain things. He is faithful. He will keep His covenant. He will display His mercy, listen, with them that love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. How many years make up a generation approximately? Say 40 years. Let's just say that. 40 years. Well, how, a thousand generations, how many years would that be? How many years? How long has man is in, in Adam been on the earth? 6,000 years? 40,000 years. I think your secret's pretty good with him. If anybody wants to know after 40,000 years have come by and come and gone, you might forget about it by then. 40,000 years. He is saying this. I can be trusted with whatever I said. If it takes 40,000 years, I'll keep my covenant. I will show my mercy. Generations he's talking about. So imagine how that, you know, you multiply that because then your generation keeps it. That means the generation after you keeps it. And then from their generation for another 40,000 years because their generation was faithful to God also. And it just keeps on going and going and going and going and going. What is God trying to say? You can trust me. You can believe in me. You can be confident that I will go with you. I will defend you. I will fight for you. I will deliver you from your enemies. You can trust me. I will keep that covenant. And so I want you to be sure of this and I want you to know that, number one, I love you. Number two, I have sworn by an oath. Therefore, I will keep my covenant and show my mercy unto a thousand generations. And I like the next verse. And repay them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. Wherefore, it shall come to pass, if ye, shall, if ye hearken to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he sware unto thy fathers. Listen. Here he begins to outline the nature of his blessings. He is saying that I will show forth my covenant and my mercy honoring you all the days of your life if you'll but keep my commandments and love me back. Listen. Verse 13, He will love you. He will bless you. He will multiply you. He'll bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your land, your corn, your wine, your oil, the increase of your kind, your flocks, your sheep, of your sheep in the land which he swore unto thy fathers to give thee. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. The Lord will take away from you all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate you. And thou shalt consume all the people which the Lord thy God shall deliver thee Thine eyes shall have no pity upon them, neither shalt thou serve their gods, for they will be a snare unto thee. And he just goes on to outline again and, and talk a little bit more about certain things that they are to do or not to do or whatever, but the, the, the things that he'll do for them. But beloved, all this is based on the fact that God swore by an oath and that God loved them. That they could stand before, knowing that they were far outnumbered, knowing that they would be destroyed if it were not for divine intervention and they had no chance against their enemy. But because God loved them and because God swore by an oath that He indeed would show Himself to be strong on their behalf in their time of need. And the priests were to remind the people of this so that they would not faint, become fearful, tremble, or be terrified. And that would give place to God and His moving in their lives on their behalf to defeat the enemy. 
Wouldn't it be wonderful if we in the New Testament era had an oath like that? Or if we had God telling us that he loved us and that he would fight for us like he did for them. I hear so many New Testament preachers of today saying all those blessings were for Israel. Everything applies to Israel. Everything applies to, to the Jewish nation. My goodness. We'd be all better off going over to Israel and becoming, you know, converted. Beloved, I've got some, some news for you. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 16, if you would, please. With those thoughts in mind, would to God that we would know that God loves us. Wouldn't that be wonderful if God could say, like he said to the Israelites, I chose you because I love you. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we knew that he swore by an oath to us so we could have faith to believe that when we face our enemies, God will move. Beloved, this is the time of divine manifestation. These are the days of divine demonstration. God displaying his mighty power and his glory in the lives of those that dare believe him. He's not holding back. He is opening heaven's windows. He is pouring out upon all flesh of his spirit. He is ready to show himself to be strong on the behalf of those that would dare believe his word. In John chapter 16, verse 27, John 16, 27. You see, if we could just know that he loves us, and that he has sworn by an oath to us, then we could have great faith too. Then when we rise up and face an enemy in battle, we too could remind ourselves, you see, you're a priest. You know you're, you're a priest. We're all kings and priests. Do you believe that? You really believe that? Come on now, you really believe that? Well, see, if your husband is sitting next to you or if your wife is sitting next to you, you're both priests unto God. Y'all, we've all been made kings and priests, right? You know, your priestly wife is supposed to remind you, don't faint, don't fear, don't tremble, don't be terrified. And you priestly men are to remind your wives, see, you're the priest that stands before your wife, and, and you're, you're to say, honey, don't faint, don't fear, don't tremble, don't get terrified. But did you hear what happened? Did you see what happened? Don't fear, don't faint, don't tremble, don't get terrified. Remember, God said, I will go with you. I will fight for you against your enemy. Is it disease? Is it sickness? Is it some calamity? Is it some accident? Whatever it is, don't tremble, don't fear, don't get terrified. God is going with you to fight against your enemy and deliver you. See, that's what he is saying to us. That's what you're to say to each other because you're a priest, each of you. In verse 27, for the Father himself loveth you because you have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. I want everybody to repeat after me. The Father himself loves me personally and intimately. Say it this way. Father, you really love me. Say it again. Father, you really love me. Now say it yourself to him in your own way. Father, you really love me. You really love me, Father. Oh, you really, really love me. You love me. You do love me. Yes, you really love me. You see, Peter said, you are a chosen generation. Amen. God has chosen us in him. We have been chosen. Beloved, I want you to see something. The blessing has not stopped. If you be Christ, you're Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promise. 
in Christ, the blessing hasn't stopped. The blessing continues. The Jews said, His blood be on us. You said, I receive the blood. Let the blessings flow in my life. God has chosen us in Him. That's what it was all about. But the Jews forsook their salvation and their Messiah. God's love in Christ has been manifested unto us. He wanted to demonstrate that great love. He wanted to show forth that great love. He wanted to tell mankind how much he loves them and then show how much. And he did that in the person of Christ. In Ephesians 2, 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. It's not just love now. It's great love. If he loved the Israelites, he greatly loves us. He greatly loves all things. You can have faith in your God because He greatly loves you. He greatly loves you. Everything about you, He loves you. The Father Himself loves me because I believe on Jesus. Well, that's the love part, isn't it? We're a holy people, a royal people, a royal priesthood before God, a holy generation of people chosen by God. Listen. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 6 and verse 17, you need to look at that with me. Because God was more willing to reveal to us the immutability of His counsel. He wanted to establish within our hearts and minds the idea that He could be trusted, that He would be faithful, even more so than He demonstrated to the Israelites. And in Hebrews 6, 17, it says, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel, confirmed it by an oath. You know what God just said? I love you and I have sworn by myself since there is no greater. Beloved, God has entered into a covenant with the human race through Jesus Christ. He has fixed his position. He is locked into that position. He swore by an oath, and whatever he said he would do, he will do. And if he said, I will go with you, I will fight for you against your enemies to deliver you, you have a right to look to him and say, Father God, I know you love me with an endless love. I know you love me with a great love. I'm standing against whatever this disease may be, whatever the situation may be, and you have sworn by an oath. You have locked your position. You have made known your will unto me, and your will is that you go with me, that you defend me, fight for me against my enemies, and deliver me. Now, I don't know about you, but that thrills my heart. You said that this is what you would do for me. And my position as Christ is far superior to the position the Israelites held before you because I've been born again and I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. Well, beloved, He does love us. And if you've never read this verse of Scripture, this will absolutely cause your heart to be filled with such emotion and deep appreciation it's so wonderful I can't stand not to have you turn to it. In Zephaniah, chapter 3, you say, where is Zephaniah? Well, Z, A, B, C, D, E, E. <laughs> it's in there. Right before Haggai, which is right before Zechariah, you will find Zephaniah. A beautiful scripture hidden right here in the Old Testament. One that should light up every heart. One that should ignite the fires of faith within our spirit. One should, that should warm our hearts with the deepest appreciation we could possibly have for a living God. Are you ready for this? Because this is what happened to us in Christ. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Is your God mighty tonight? Listen. He will save, he will rejoice over thee with joy, he will rest in his love. 
he will joy over you with singing. Zephaniah 3.17. He will joy over you with singing. Listen carefully. Your God who is in the midst of you, he is saying is a mighty God who saves and delivers. Yes, but he will rest in his love. My margin says he'll be silent in his love. In other words, his love has spoken. There's no more to it. Greater love hath no man than this that a man should lay down his life for his friend. God is saying, can you challenge my love? What would be the basis for your argument? How can you? Jesus says, is there something more I could have done for you? Will you challenge my love for you? When I said, greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends, God is saying, I have poured out my love unto you in the person of Christ. The full fullness of my love have I poured out over you and unto you and for you. For God so loved the world with this great love that he gave Jesus. How shall he not with him freely give you all things? And I'll tell you what. He is singing over the new creation. He is singing and rejoicing over the new creation with joy. He's resting in his love. He is saying, my love has completely worked for you. My love stands on its own merit. I have given it all to you. You see, someone could say to his fiance, honey, how much do you really love me? I love you so much, honey, that I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And really, he couldn't give all his love because if he did, he'd have to do what Jesus said. Lay down your life, and if you die, you're not going to marry him. Right? I don't think. But Jesus did. He died. He demonstrated his great love by dying for you. See, we can't go that far, but he did. And as a result of our believing in that great love and coming to Christ, he is rejoicing. We can't even see this. Can you picture this? To rejoice over us, as it says right over here, look it. He will rejoice over thee with joy. It means, he will, it means that he'll just absolutely jump up and turn around. Rejoice over you. With joy and singing. I don't know if you can gather this, but when, when you got saved, God began to sing over you. Can you imagine that? When you came to him by the blood of Jesus and he washed you in that precious blood, he rejoiced over you with singing. That's how dear you are. That's how precious you are. And do you think he wants you to be harmed in any way in this life? You see what that adds to our faith life? He loves me enough to fight for me and defend me from my enemies. And I'm not going to relinquish my confession of faith. I will cling to it with everything in my being. Because my Father loves me. He is fighting for me. Do you realize that God wants us to have the ability to see him at work for us even before we see the end result? Are you hearing that? Start shouting it. Start declaring it. Start pro proclaiming it before your enemies. My God's at work. My God is fighting for me. Against this sickness, against this disease, whatever the situation is, my God is at work. My God is defending me. My God is fighting for me. He is actively at work on my behalf. How do you know? How can you be so certain? Because he loves me. Because he has sworn by an oath and he cannot turn back. Therefore, I know. And you know what that moves us to do? Well, I've got some scriptures. I don't want to take up quickly. Psalm 91, verse 14. You know the, the, the psalm, obviously. But you know what? Here's what he says. You know he loves you now. How many of you really know he loves you now? I mean, you really, really, really know that God just loves you with a love that cannot be described. It's just beyond description. It's beyond imagination. It's a great love that is found in the person of Christ laying down his life for us. But look at this. Because, in verse 14, because we set our love upon him, because we set our love back on him. The one who loves us, the one who swore by an oath to defend us and protect us and care for us and deliver us, 
from all our enemies because we set our love back on him, he will do certain things. Number one, he will deliver us. He will set us on high. He will answer us. He'll be with us in trouble. He will deliver us. He will honor us. And with long life will he satisfy us and show us his salvation. Look at all that again. He will deliver us. He will set us on high. He will answer us. He'll be with us. He will deliver us again. He will honor us. He will satisfy us. And he will show us. All these things he said right there. And why is that? Because we set our love back on him. And he that hath my commandment and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me is loved of my Father. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He said back there in Deuteronomy, if we love him and keep his commandments, he will honor us and show us mercy unto a thousand generations, didn't he? In turn, we set our love back on him, and he says he will do all these things for us. And listen, when the enemy strikes, when the, the sickness or the disease comes or attempts to defy the love of God and dishonor the Word of God, and we are tempted to even think with the smallest amount of doubt that God wouldn't honor His love and His Word for us. You know what we are instructed to do? If you're a priest in your house and you know it, you will love this scripture. Philippians 1.28 Philippians 1.28. As a priest, you are to remind your mate, your children, and your mate is to remind you, she's a priest also, remind each other of this portion of Scripture, and it will absolutely flood your soul with faith. God said he would do all those things. And whatever it is that you're encountering tonight, I want to encourage each of you as a priest unto the Most High God. Don't think. Don't fear. Don't tremble. And don't be terrified because of what you're facing. It may look so impossible that even God can't bail you out, but I want you to know that He can. And He will go with you, defend you, fight for you against your enemies, and He will deliver you. Listen to this verse. Verse 28, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. That's a little bit blind to us. Let me read to you Moffat's translation. Never be scared for a second by your opponents. Never be scared for a second by your opponents. Your fearlessness is a clear omen of ruin for them and of your own salvation at the hands of God. Did you hear that? Don't faint, don't fear, don't tremble, don't get terrified for a second at your opponents, your adversaries, the sickness, the disease, whatever it is, the lack, the, the, the tragedy, the situation, don't for a second. Your position, you know, you can be shaking in your boots, but on the inside you can be standing tall in God. Your position, as they stood there before the enemy, your position is a token or an omen to your enemy that he has been defeated. It is called your solid front that you place before your enemy. And I'll close with this text. In Colossians chapter 2, you're close by. Colossians chapter 2. And verse 5, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. That's a little blind to us. Here is Weymouth's translation. Yet in spirit I am present with you and am delighted to witness your good discipline and the solid front presented by your faith in Christ. What is your solid front? This is your solid front. Devil, disease, demons, adversity, trouble, situation, liars, ungodly men, 
God loves me. My God loves me with great love. He has sworn by an oath. He that made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that in them is, has sworn by an oath to me. He loves me, and the blood's been shed. He has sworn by an oath. He cannot lie. He is my defense. He goes with me where I go. He fights with me against my enemies, and therefore, sickness, disease, you must bow your knee. Therefore, adversity, whatever it is coming against me in this life, you must bow your knee. You will not cross the threshold of that love and of that bloodline. That is my solid front. My God fights for me. My God fights for me. I wish I could say that, beloved, until it really hits home with us and we begin to see God at work fighting for us. And I'm sure sometimes he is saying, oh, if they would only allow me to fight for them, I would. I can't be conquered. I refuse to entertain defeat. I will not be fearful of my enemy, and I will not faint in my heart or mind. I will not be terrified by my adversaries. I will not show, even for a second, any fear. That's my solid front, because my God loves me. And he swore by an oath. The blood's been shed. Let's stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.